What's up, comic book fans? Anchor Pete's here, and I'm with my good friend, Brian. How are you doing tonight, Brian? Doing good, Pete. Oh, man, we are super excited because we watched the season finale of The Book of Boba Fett, and we also watched the most recent episode of Peacemaker, episode six. And Brian, which one did you enjoy more? Oh, man. Um... I'm going to put you right on the spot. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna say Boba Fett because it was just like nonstop action, like a huge action set piece. You know, yeah. um, it was like playing with action figures or playing a video game or something like that. Um, right. It was very enjoyable. Yeah, I liked this episode of Book of Boba Fett, and I think we should go into all the individual parts of it. And uh, we're gonna just talk spoilers just right off the bat. So if you guys have not seen the Book of Boba Fett uh, episode seven, then you know go watch it and come back. But um, before, in our last episode, we talked about the idea that this might have been like a Mandalorian season three, and they maybe changed it because of COVID or some kind of fan reaction. Do you think that this episode makes it feel like that? Um, I mean, it's it's to the point now where you would have to watch at least the last three episodes of this, which is about half the series. Right. order to watch the next season of the mandalorian so right. I, I there's got to be something to that somewhere yeah yeah and it was kind of strange um the guy in star wars explained uh he brought up this one point where it was like the very last scene of the show before the credits is the mandalorian and grogu versus like boba fett and they could have easily just flipped those two scenes you know, and had yeah. it end with Boba Fett, but it was just a weird choice. Well, I mean, that. technically there was the after credit scene too, which was, I mean, I, I guess arguably could be either, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, I like the way they transitioned because they kind of showed like Boba Fett on the ground, you know, on Tanawine, and they kind of cut up into space. Like they kind of like went all the way up into the space. Yeah, and, that's uh, probably why they did it for that, that right. kind of a transition. But it, 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 you're totally right. It did seem odd that the, the show closes out with, you know, the, the side character, you know? Right, right. But uh, let's go through each different part. So definitely uh, Garza, who was played by Jennifer Beals, she was dead because at the beginning of the episode, they're going through the ruins of her little bar and it's all blown up. Yeah. Um, and then... Although there were no bodies in there. Yeah. So who knows? She might still be around. Uh, we have the people from the syndicate gathering together, the Pike Syndicate, and they're meeting with the mayor of Mos Espa. And the Pike Syndicate leader reveals that they were the ones that killed the Tuscans. Was that a surprise for you? Um, yes, only in the sense that it feels like um, I, I feel like we should have known this earlier. Yeah, like I feel like it would have given a little more weight to the this overall battle than if feeling more like an afterthought yeah you know like yeah. even when they use even when that information is revealed to boba fett it's to kind of get him to lose control in a sense and you know do something risky and he doesn't <laughs> so it's kind of like wasted it i guess you right know? right um yeah. the only like thing i can think of is the kind of it, it kind of reinforces the uh, the idea that he's just for the planet the, and the people of the planet and he doesn't want any interlopers at all yeah well i think to kind of go along with your point a classic scene in star wars is in return of the jedi when darth vader's trying to get luke to attack him and he starts talking about leia 
And he brings up this point, and Luke loses his shit and comes after him. And you have that kind of sequence here with Cad Bane and Boba, but he's able to keep his calm and still defeat Cad Bane eventually. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's kind of wasted in that sense. I mean, honestly, with this episode, there's a lot that I liked, but there are scenes where I'm like, okay, well, why did they make that decision? And why did they make that decision with the show in general? Um, as far as like, the pacing goes, like what you were saying, on another great Star Wars channel, Eckhart's Ladder, he talked about how all the Mandalorian stuff is good and all the Grogu stuff, but if you had like a lot more episodes to kind of flesh this out and flesh out the stuff with Boba Fett and the Tusken Raiders, um, that would have much more of an impact, you know? Yeah, I think they they should have they should have introduced the fact that the Pikes and has took out the, the Tuscans, or and they should have introduced maybe they could have introduced Cad Bane earlier too. Right. Um, I mean, this this heavy implication that he you know was kind of mentored uh, Boba Fett, which I think has been hinted at in Rebels, and and uh, I, I believe there's some like cut scene from uh, from some show that there was supposed to be a, like a battle between them, and uh, and it would it would be revealed that. Cad gave him a boba that dent in his helmet. Oh, okay, that's cool. Um, yeah, but it, it just seems like uh, uh, there needed to be more of that to me. They, they needed to establish the and clearly state who the villains were a bit earlier. Like they did show the pikes early enough, but they still seem to be like not threatening enough. Yeah, and I think well, if you would have showed them, like if you would have showed that they killed killed the uh the tuscans and and framed the nikto gang um i think that would have went a long way for the audience yes yes that's i mean boba really... still wouldn't i mean maybe boba did need to know too but i don't know no but you know what that's a really really good point like if they had shown in that episode that like he thinks that that biker gang killed them but really they killed them i think that would have really just kind of made it more serious more dramatic um, the audience being aware of it, but but Boba Fett not being aware of it. And, um, you know, there was another point that uh, Eckhart Slider made too, which he was saying that, like, you know, you don't see um, Black Chrysanthemum for a couple of episodes, and all of a sudden he's in this episode. And, um, like, th there's all, like, a gap of time between when the Tusken Raiders get killed and this episode. So it's almost like they've kind of been forgotten a little bit. Like, obviously, we remember because we have shows like this where you and I talk about it and stuff. But there's been such a long period of time on the show since we've seen the Tuscan Raiders. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So I don't know. This episode was directed by Robert Rodriguez. Um, like there, there's one other issue that they brought up too, which is with the actual battles, it didn't seem like there was like a lot of people involved. You know, you just had like the, the gang and the Mandalorian and Boba Fett and Black Chrysanthemum. And then you had these Pike guys but it always just seemed like there was like maybe like 20 pipe guys tops, you know, until those droids came on. And there were a couple of sequences where it seemed like they were like overwhelming, but in general, it just didn't have that feeling of like, Oh my God, this is a showdown for the fate of this planet. Something that you would expect from star Wars, you know? Yeah. It, it, I, I got vibes of like a, like a Western, uh, yeah. you know, where there's like a shootout between a gang and like the sheriffs or something like that where there wouldn't be that many people necessarily. Right. Um, and I think it still kind of worked for me, uh, but you're right. It, it absolutely, you know, helps when you see that kind of scale and, and the, you know, 
it, it kind of makes the threat a little more believable. Yeah. And, and you're absolutely right with the Western thing. Like it definitely felt like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid or something like that with Boba and the Mandalorian. Even like the yeah. shot I used for this thumbnail where the two of them are like together shooting up like that. It definitely felt like one of those like Wild West duos definitely. like in a final stand. And I, I actually really love that a lot. Yeah, uh, although I, I, am, I am very tired of the trope that uh, people can only seem to shoot uh, – the uh Dinjarin and Boba Fett's armor and that's it they can never hit anywhere else <laughs> right right like, those, those scenes where they're getting pelted with 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 blasts and right. it's only hitting your armor it's like a little bit too much it's like oh you know it's it's like in like an X-Men comic like oh you know this this is a really dangerous villain and you know the only person that's gonna get hit is Wolverine because well, he can heal that's right that's right very good metaphor yeah yeah and I mean one other thing that just got on my nerves with the whole sequence too is that it was just a whole bunch of sequences of people getting attacked hiding behind things shooting back and it's like okay well they're shooting back and it seems like it's dire you know that somebody's going to come in like when he came in with the rancor i was like okay he's flying off to go get the rancor that's going to happen you know um there was yeah, you couldn't have that rancor come in and not and have that whole scene uh, sequence with him mentioning riding the rancor and not have him riding the rancor by the end of the show. This just you couldn't do it. Right, Chekhov's gone. Right, 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 right. Boba's rancor. And the thing is, though, is that like I really like that sequence. It totally felt like uh, King Kong, right? Yeah, especially at the after uh, uh, effects there too, when he was kind of rampaging afterwards. Yeah. And did he kind of remind you of the Cloverfield monster a little bit too? Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but just the creature effects are so great. I know that like for that rancor creature, the like the front of it, like I think like its upper torso, it's like a puppet. And I think the rest is CGI. And like it was really realistic looking, especially like when you had like the Mandalorian like going into its mouth, you know? Like I yeah. like that touch, that effect. It didn't look totally CGI. Yeah, well, when it was moving around, it was definitely all CGI. But yeah, th those close-up shots, definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and even when, like, Rogu was up close to it. Um, but, you know, we're kind of jumping around. I was going to ask you, when Grogu flew the X-Wing, did that bother you, or what did you think? No, R2 flew the X-Wing. Oh, okay, 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 okay. That's true, that's I, true. I mean, I mean they, they made such a point as to have Pelimoto say, of course I know that the aftermath did it, like, you know? Right, right. Okay. Also, I I, I kind of laughed at the Grogu. What kind of a name is that? Right, 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 right. Man, she is manager. just like this great character, you know. Like, uh, who, what the? Who's that again? That's uh, Amy Sedaris. Yeah, you're right, right. Okay, Sedaris. Okay, right, right. Yeah, and yeah, and it was cool that she even like showed up in that last battle, like in that little kind of uh, rickshaw or whatever they yeah. have. Yeah, that's a cool little sequence. Yeah, actually, my heart. I, I got a little touched at one point, maybe even close to teary eyed. When she's riding the rickshaw and the Mandalorian like pulls back the blanket and Grogu's there, and he's like, "What are and you he doing?" He jumps here? up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay, I was gonna say though that pretty much everything I kind of expected to happen happened. I, I was bothered by um, the amount of damage that Black Crescenton took, and like it kind of would be like, "Oh, he's." being overrun or he's been shot multiple times, but then he would like get up and run. And I, I know that like Wookiees are supposed to be these incredible fighters and like extremely powerful, but it just kept going back and forth between him being like almost dead to like, he's keeping yeah, up with like everybody running, else. Like crazy. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. It was a little jarring too, but I mean, I, I like the scene where he's, he seems to be getting overtaken by the pikes. That was yes. really cool. 
And then you see him come out later on. He's throwing them around. Like, that was awesome. And he's limping. Like, that worked. All of that worked perfectly. But, yeah, the the, the two, like, main mods come over. Um, I forget their names. Uh, and they're helping him, you know, uh, helping him up. But then they'll stop the shoot together. And then, then they start helping him again. And yeah. also, I can't imagine how they're actually helping him because he's so much taller than him. <laughs> right, like, right, right. Like it's probably it's probably harder for him to lean on them than it is for him to walk on his own. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sometimes when I'm working with little kids, if they're that small, I'm like, oh, it kind of hurts my back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the the uh, mods is Drash. That's the girl that's Drash, played by yes. the girl from Yellow Jackets. Yeah, and no, she... I I know they've named her and they named that guy too. Uh, I just don't ever remember them. The, the guy had this one moment that it like really took me out of it where he like fucking spun on his heel. Do you remember that part where he like yeah. spun and shot? Yeah. That was like too much for me, man. <laughs> it's the costumes uh, because it's like they're, they're just, like slick looking, I guess. And it just it still, still seems sort of out of place, but I'm getting more used to it, I guess. Yeah. As I see them more. Yeah. And you know what? Like with this, I kind of sound like one of these like, middle-aged white guys like kind of complain about things it's not that like i actually really enjoyed it um it's just you know i always kind of wonder about the decisions because they've shown that with star wars with the marvel things with with certain dc projects they know just how to do it right and and it's like when you start to kind of go off a little bit it's like you know why did they make that decision and um i i think for the most part i was satisfied i just kind of felt like i could call everything that was happening as it yeah, it, it definitely felt like they were checking off a bunch of boxes that they set up earlier in the season to, to get it done. And I, on one level, I appreciate that because, I, I mean, I guess I, I'm ultimately satisfied, but um, there wasn't, wasn't really anything shocking in, right. in, this, in this episode. And I, I still I, I still barely see, like – why this was a show i mean it was cool right. and all but it's like like what was the why did they need to make this show like like why, why did why did boba fett want to take over for job of the hut and then right. kind of not do crime <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think the main idea behind this at least the way that i've seen people interpret it is that boba fett essentially is kind of like born again after he comes out of the sarlacc pit and by being raised by the Tuscans and brought back to health, he becomes a different person. And he's kind of shedding his ruthless bounty hunter past. And he has like his own tribe of people now with like Fennec Shand and Black Chrysanthemum and the mods. Um, I'm, I'm all for that. It is weird that like he would choose to take over Jabba's palace to do that. But I guess it's kind of like he, he's I like... Think... Go ahead. The, the they uh, I really like what you said there. I think that that makes a lot of sense and it worked really well. But the fact that yes, that they use Jabba's palace that he that he negotiates with the existing gangsters there. Um, it it seems like it's like a weird straddling of a line of if it's like oh wait wait are are you doing crime or are you a good guy or or what like right. So it's like I wish they would have picked a lane sort of right. Like is he taking over a criminal empire or is he just being a good guy. I mean, I, I guess ultimately there uh, with the, the last scene you see with Boba Fett, it's, it almost seems like he's the new mayor of, of uh, Mos Espa. Yes. Yes. Because they fucking like hag and like Garrett, the other mayor. <laughs> <Fucking brutal. laughs> 
I, I was uh, scrolling through TikTok and I feel bad that my wife just heard me say that. I, I feel weird. You know, I was scrolling through TikTok. I'm, I'm almost 40. But um, I was scrolling through TikTok and someone had a little video where they just did little bullet points about the episode. And one was like, wait a minute. Is the mayor of Moss Espa, is his name Mayor McCheese? Because his name is because his name is Makshaiz, right? Mayor Makshaiz. Oh, my God. Right? Like, could you imagine, like, John Favreau and, like, Robert Rodriguez? They're, like, sitting there and, like, we're going to name him there. You know, he looks weird. Why don't we name him Mayor McCheese? Ah, ha, ha. Holy shit. Now, let's just give him a Star Wars. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Let's give him a Star Wars. I'm assuming that's the truth now because there's there's no way it's not. (laughs) Yeah. Makshaiz, right. (laughs) So, uh, what do you call it? I, I like that sequence. I like that Fennec Shan kind of had her own little moment right there. Um, and, and ultimately, I was satisfied. I, I was going to say, though, that there were moments that, um, you know, with Star Wars, especially the new kind of Disney movies, they start to introduce things that make you question, well, why were these things done in a certain way in the previous movies? And now they're done differently. And the example I'm bringing up is those droids that attacked them. Like, those yeah. droids were like, two of the most intimidating things I've ever seen in a Star Wars movie or show, right? Yep. They, they were like uh, the robot from uh, RoboCop, right? Ed? What was this? Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? Okay. And, and, but the thing is, they had, like, they kind of looked like an evolution of those, like, kind of roller droids that are in Battle um, droids, Phantom yeah. Menace. Right? But they no, were just... They were called droids. They were called something else. Assault, they they called were called them, assault droids? I think they called them droid decas. Droid Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I feel like I'm just ruining my, you know, my wife's attraction to me. I just was like, scroll through TikTok, droid decas, you know, I'm like, oh God. <laughs> but um, anyway, um, I felt like they were like an evolution of those things, but their shields were so powerful and they just, you know, took out all those people easily. They were real formidable. If they didn't have that rancor, they would have just taken out all of the Boba Fett forces. Yeah. Um, I think that that was kind of like the answer to not having uh, like a shit ton of pike soldiers. Yeah, really. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't, and it definitely made it more interesting than just a standard shootout to to have that in there. It made it more Star Warsy. Um, yeah, I wasn't bothered by the the like the overwhelming power of those things. They looked a lot bigger than those ones from uh, the the prequel trilogy. Right. So right. Um, it didn't it didn't bug me at all. Yeah. And I mean, I really like that the Rancor took out one of them, and then like Din, he had the uh, dark saber, and he was able to like cut through the force field. I thought that was a great touch. Um, I, I think that my favorite part of the battle, though, by far, was the one thing I kind of didn't think about. I was like, oh man, I should have been able to call that. But like when Boba Fett goes to fight Cad Bane, and Cad Bane's overwhelmed him because he's <clears throat> faster, he's a faster draw. But then uh, Boba Fett's on the ground, Cad Bane's about to shoot him. He's got his helmet off. And then Boba uses the Tuscan uh, Gantha or Bantha? Gaffy stick. Gaffy stick, right. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, I just wasn't expecting that. I thought that was a great way to kind of tie everything up. I thought that was really great. Yeah, yeah it was definitely a nice way to connect, uh, connect as you said, the, the new Boba Fett to uh, ending the conflict. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's sad that like Cad Bane died because I think it'd be cool to see like that live action version of him again. But He's from the Clone Wars, so like you could stick him into any story between the Clone Wars and now. Uh oh, is, is he dead? Is he dead? He had a little beep going on right on his chest. Yep. Yes, 
Yes. Um, yeah, that's got to be something. There's no way. I, I thought he was going to explode or something like that. But the way they <laughs> cut away from it, um, there, there's no way that he's completely gone. Um, and I, I still, I think that the this show would have benefited with with more of his presence, yeah. more of a, a a personal connection with the uh, between him and Boba Fett. And I think that maybe they can flesh that out in flashback still or not. Or, but I I, I think. If if this continues, they owe it to the audience to give us give us more of that. Yeah, yeah, I, that would be cool if they had like flashbacks. I know that the guy that played Boba Fett as a kid, he's been itching to kind of get back into Star Wars and and play Boba Fett again. So you could have some cool flashbacks between him and Cad Bane. I'd actually really like to see that. Yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Tomorrow, Morrison has a kid that wants to play Boba Fett, or are you talking about like Daniel? Is it Daniel Logan? I believe that's his name. Yeah. Like essentially with all the clones and Boba Fett, right? There's like the little kid Boba Fett. There's Django Fett. That's Tamara Morrison. And then there was even like an in-between guy. But the, the kid one is the one you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I could imagine him coming back for a flash. I think they even credited him with the, the flashbacks uh, of, of the, sh- the Slave One ship taking off. Oh, okay. Cool, cool. Yeah, but see, like you mentioned Slave One. I was thinking like, okay – Story-wise, if I'm going to be like one of these nerd guys, if Boba Fett had just taken Slave One and like flown it into the city, he could have just shot all those fucking pipe guys. He could have got rid of those droids, right? But uh, yeah, you, you can. I think you can argue that away. Oh, I guess maybe you can also counter argue, but you can argue the way that he, he doesn't want to destroy the town. Okay, they totally destroyed the town. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Freaking Rancor running around. Yeah, yeah. They fucked that town up. That was, I mean, it was very much like King Kong. There was even a part where, like, he's climbing the side of a building. The tower. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I, I, I was a big fan of it, though. I, I would watch another season of The Book of Boba Fett easily. It's made me just realize how much I love The Mandalorian and Grogu. I think everyone feels that way, though. Yeah. Um, I, I think I was really, I think the only episode of the show that I wasn't too crazy about was the first one. Okay, uh, and I, I've at least enjoyed everything else after that. Um, it's I still think it was kind of weird to have like a whole sidebar with the last, the second, the the two penultimate episodes, yeah. not about Boba Fett. Um, but I, I would definitely come back for more. Okay, well then you know me. Whenever we have a wrap up of a show or something like this, um, I like to like do a ranking. We don't have to rank the episodes, but can you tell me what was your favorite episode of the show then? Oh, easily the one with the Mandalorian five. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Easily. Okay. I-, I got a controversial pick then. Okay. I'm gonna go along with Danny, Danny's friend, where it was like the 50 best minutes of his life. I think that Number episode. Two. Yes, yes. I think when they they did the train heist, I- just seeing that that cool Tuscan warrior on the train and taking those people out, I felt like that was the show being the most original and doing something different. Yeah. Uh, I totally agree with that, but um, I just, the, just the, the, the feeling that I got, like I, I kept saying, uh, you know, had the Mandalorian stolen Boba Fett's thunder and like that episode has confirmed it for me. You know, it's like, yeah. I want to see the Mandalorian the most out yeah. of all the stuff coming out. So right. Um, right. I, I think that was, and there was so much lore in that episode too. I'm, I'm a sucker for that. Oh, yeah, I know you are. Yeah, just like me. Yeah, I, I know that like I've definitely seen a lot of memes about this show. And one of them was that classic meme where the guy's with his girlfriend. And he's kind of turning and checking out the other girl. 
And so it's like the guy is with uh, Boba Fett, but he's turning and looking at the Mandalorian, you know? Yeah. Love that. <laughs> Um, I, I wanted to say one last point about it before we moved on that, you know, they've reached this kind of point where it's essentially five years after Return of the Jedi. It's before all the sequel movies. It's in this kind of sweet spot where you can kind of do anything. Obviously, you can't kill off certain characters that are in the sequel trilogy, but I feel like you could do so much with like the world building and stuff like that. And I think they are going to kind of milk this time period now. And I'm all for that. I think they have to, uh, because yeah. the, the the they're not going to go past the the sequel trilogy because, um, it, you know they don't know if they want to return to a movie watching. I, I have a feeling that if they do, it's not going to be for a long time. Yep. yep. Um, the, the, they're going to go to a, a whole other the whole other higher public time period, or even before that. Um, yeah. For, for whatever their next movies will be. Um, yeah, I think they're going to milk this. I think they have plenty of space still. Um, it, it's, you know, it, it is going to have to run out at some point, though. You know, I mean, because there's not that much time. Yeah, but it's weird, though, right? Because if you look at, like, the Star Wars comics, they're only up to, like, that time period in between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. And, like, they have been doing Star Wars comics pretty much since Disney bought Star Wars. So they've done years of comics and it's just been all that kind of empire time, you know? So, yeah. I, I feel like they can get away with that better with comics because it's, it is just drawing and, right. um, and you know, like Marvel and DC do how they stretch out at real time and over years. Um, right. But when, when you're talking about live action, I, I think they're, they're limited here uh, because, you yeah. know, there's going to be a point, you know, just like, with the Arrowverse on the CW, like, you know, the the namesake of the Arrowverse left. Right. You know, eventually, like, you know, Pedro Pascal would be like, okay, I, I, I have had enough of no one seeing my face. Um, <laughs> right, right. So, and, and then they're going to have to, you know, move on at some point. Um, so I think it's really cool that this time period exists and they're right. doing stuff in there, but... Being that it's a lot, they're they're doing it with live action. I think it it, it puts a, a real real world time stamp on it, based mm -hmm. on the uh, you know all the, the the players involved in it. That's a very very good point, and I think that like you're making a comparison between the comics and the shows and stuff and live action stuff. With the comics also, even though they are Star Wars, that's still a much smaller audience than a show like this, which you know comics probably have like hundreds of thousands of people buying a comic at tops. This has millions of viewers. And so obviously it costs much more money to make the show and stuff than it does to make a comic. So yeah, so you, they just have to deliver a different type of story. And I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, they, they can't, they will eventually run out of that type of story. So, yeah. uh, but one good thing is that the, like the expanded universe of Star Wars that they had for so long did kind of fill in the gaps between like the prequels and the original trilogy. And they did stuff after the original trilogy. And they always were able to kind of make existing stuff better. Like they always kind of made the lore better. And I feel like with this show and other stuff moving forward, they're going to elevate the sequel trilogy and, and the flaws that that has. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope so too. I mean, I, I know the sequels are very divisive uh, just as the prequels were. Um, so yeah, to, to see, see them enhance that in any way and, you know, retcon things to make weird decisions better. Um, yeah. I'm all for it. Nice. 
Well, we got real fucking serious for that fucking Boba Fett show. Now it's maybe time to loosen up our belt buckles, get a little fucking HBO Max over here, huh? Let's do it. Start, you know, talking about balls and stuff. I actually don't think they talk about balls in Peacemaker at all. No, this vaginas. Okay, yes, yes. They do mention vaginas. That's true. Which was really funny because it's like that that opening scene because, you know, uh, we, we all knew that, they, you know, Mern wasn't going to kill uh, Odebayo. Right, right. Uh, so, but it, it's it's funny that they're they're talking about it's like he's saying like I I found the worst person that I could find to take over like you know, and then he's like oh yeah the uh, she's the queen because she has a vagina. Right, right, right. <laughs> like that, that's all within this like a minute span. Right, right, right. Yeah, they're back to that fucking you know just making jokes on the fly kind of stuff, and it's James Gunn directing it once again. Is that the first scene? I thought the first scene was with the kids in the school. Uh, okay, yes. I'm sorry. Yes, that is the. Wait a minute. Right. Okay, it... well, either way, it, it's that scene. They they throw some real heavy stuff at you, like a real heavy line like that. Yeah. About having you know uh, the, the the butterfly saying like he he experiences the the original Mern's like horrible thoughts constantly. Right. And all that. And he actually has, he feels guilt about killing someone. Right. And right. he's like, oh, yeah, she's the queen because she has a vagina. <laughs> like, like, it's all in the same breath, you know? Yes. Yes. I mean, this show is just fucking great. I mean, it, it demonstrates how great James Gunn is, right? Because this had such a disturbing sequence that was also simultaneously so fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We can just jump to that sequence real quick and then we'll go through all the rest of the episode. But sure. that, that's the part that really stuck out to me is when the butterflies go and take over that whole police station and uh, it's intercut with Peacemaker's dad, Robert Patrick. Uh, <laughs> and he's like in a bed with like a skinhead that's naked. That was well, really weird. He called it. He said he's going to call a broad over. Yes, that's true. I just wasn't expecting a bald broad, you know? I mean, it's, it's he's a white power Nazi kind of dude. I mean, why, why not? That was like full on like American history X type imagery in that part. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. With with all the the hoods and the saluting and all that. Yeah, it's, it's creepy. It's almost it's almost jarring to still see because I feel like that they're, they're you know you don't see stuff like that as much. I think that it's a lot riskier to show stuff yeah. like that, even though even though these are villainous people and we're showing them in a negative light. Um. It, it's still, I'm still surprised to see it. Right. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that, like, you know, with Marvel, for example, this dominant comic book presence, you know, they have a, a organization that was born out of the Nazi party, Hydra, and yet they kind of have always just avoided any of that kind of Nazi imagery. Even in freaking Captain America and the Winter Soldier, it's more like, we're against, I mean, not Winter Soldier, uh, First Avenger. That's it's right, more yeah. like Hydra's the enemy, not the Nazis, you know? <clears throat> yeah. So I mean, um, you also have to consider too, like the real world implications of it. Like, like you know, they, are, you know, the Nazis were real people, but they're also, you know, German people that are not right. like that. You know, and, right. and it's like, you know, how how do you hold that over people's heads forever? Sort of, you know, yeah. When they're yeah. generations apart, where they, they have no connection to it whatsoever, you know. Yeah, it's it's a real kind of risky thing to embrace and i think the comics in marvel they do more stuff with the nazi stuff in hydra than they do in uh you know any of the mcu stuff but yeah. here in the show they're just going full-blown like 
you know, KKK. That, that was the craziest part, too, is they had these, like, KKK-type hoods, but they were shaped like the friggin' white dragon, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we kind of jumped right to that great part. Um, since we're on that part, you, you said to me that you have seen Slither, right? Yes. Yeah. Slither um, is kind of this amazing movie to me because it really captures that kind of Channel 9, watch it on a Saturday kind of sci-fi horror movie. Um, and yet it has some of the grossest fucking things that I've ever seen, too. Yeah, I mean that that seems to be a a, a staple of of James Gunn, who who came from the you know the the trauma world, right? You know, so right. uh, it, it makes perfect sense. It's like a high budget trauma movie, really. Do you Higher know that budget. one that one actor that is in Slither that plays uh, Star Lord's grandfather? Do you know who I'm talking about? Star Lord's grandfather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know Star Lord's mom dies, right? And then yeah. the grandfather. Like, yeah. Oh. Uh, I mean, I remember what he looks like, but I, I don't recall him being as... It's been a while since I've seen Slither. So. Yeah, he's like the mayor of the town. And there's this one part where he gets captured at the very end and he gets stuck in this like basement where all the people are kind of like melting together. And he kind of has to because he's being taken over. He has to like start eating flesh. It's like one of the most disturbing friggin' things I've seen. Yeah. Like I still think about it and I get like I lose my appetite, you know? Yeah, I have to go back and rewatch it. Um and, and it's funny because I, I almost showed that movie to Brandon. Maybe I shouldn't. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Now you reminded me of Danny who, who showed his daughter Hereditary. Uh, I have not seen Hereditary, so I'm, but I, I've, I've heard various reactions to it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm still traumatized um, by that shit, too, you know? Yeah, I, I can imagine. <laughs> um, but I guess the reason why I brought up Slither is because that sequence of the butterflies taking over people reminded me of slither that's just that kind of like real kind of gross intense imagery but then it's also like kind of fun and they're playing like a cool metal song you know yeah uh and i, I it's funny too is that when they did it to detective song um i'm like holy shit that was like brutal because that's the first time they showed a, a butterfly going into somebody yep and uh and then like i didn't think they were going to top that necessarily and especially not so soon yep uh, but man, like that was a really long. That they they play that like full song practically, you know, and, and <laughs> between the the butterflies coming in and taking over, and then you know white dragon suiting up. Yeah, and it, it starts so cool too because she's standing there with all the landed ships. Like first you see the ships coming towards her. That in itself is cool. Then they land. Then all the butterflies come out. She's just kind of walking like Magneto or someone with her cape kind of flowing behind her. I just thought yeah. that was really beautifully shot. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it's it's crazy that like yeah, that scene where she's you know, she seems like she's kind of feeling bad that they're gonna take over. I, I know that you and I have talked about are the butterflies evil, are they good? Do you think they're evil now? Well, I think Murn explains it perfectly in the beginning. Is just there's there's an offset, uh, offshoot uh that want to take over. They started infiltrating higher positions and where their original plan was just to kind of find a new home and blend in. Some people want to just take over, so I say okay, yeah. So there's different groups, right? Yeah, that's that's a good point. I should have remembered that. Uh, yeah. So like Goff, that one is like kind of their leader of the bad faction. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of makes you wonder, like, how many of the how many of them are you know would be on the side of of uh, of Mern, right? Uh, compared to to Goff. 
Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, we're gonna find we get two episodes left, right? Yes, two more. Okay, okay, yeah. So I mean, there's still so much to happen. Um, so another thing that we learned in this episode was that Peacemaker actually was the one that killed his brother. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm not sure. Yes, he he punched him in some manner, and and he, he triggered a seizure, or maybe it just happened. Who knows? But yes, um, you, you do find out that that he definitely probably feels responsible for it at the very least. And his yeah. dad made him feel responsible for it. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I think that came up when he was talking to the kids, right? Like one of the kids was like, do you have a backstory or like no, a origin story? Yeah, I think it, we got a little flashback of it too. It's funny because that was the, the, the janitor guy's kid too that asked it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was cool they brought him back because I know he's in the opening credits and they showed him. Um, yeah. I was going to say that this show has, and we talk about this like every week, has really made me appreciate John Cena. And I think Danny said something like that on, on like Twitter or Facebook, but like, I've always kind of appreciated John Cena, but he, I feel like he's like the rock where it's like, Oh, there's, there's way more to him than you would expect. Yeah. Um, like his comedic range, just in that, that uh, sequence in the beginning in the classroom where he's like calling all the kids little nicknames to all the way at the end where he's playing uh Home Sweet Home, right, by Motley Crue? Yeah, um, so I think in terms of, of wrestler-turned-actors, there's, you know, in the current, you know, mainstream film space, there's The Rock, there's John Cena, and there's Dave Bautista. Right, um, right, good point. Dave Bautista seems, I mean, although he's, you know, he's very comedic in uh, in the, the Guardians movies, but he seems to have taken a more character actor approach and even considers himself more of a craft actor than he would, than he would The Rock or John Cena. Yeah, uh, and I think the the Rock is pretty much himself in every movie. You know, he's the same <laughs> archetype, and I I love that archetype. It's great, right. but it's definitely more in the comedic realm. And I feel like John Cena was sort of in the middle, and now he's kind of you know dipping his toe more into that acting side. You know, with these kind of you know introspective moments uh, yeah. that are you know sprinkled throughout the series. You know, um, the scene when he first comes home, and and he's you know realizing what his life was and you know he's flashing back to to um peacemaker what a joke um and then you know reflecting on his brother and all that um and then the, and then this just just the the expression on his face and this is is perfect it, it's it's great it's he's sitting in a place he has no home anymore you know and yes. he's playing home sweet home and this is this is what i have now you know yeah do you think that john cena was legitimately playing the piano there i mean he sure was. It looks like it. he was Oh wow! Um, I had to look it up right afterwards because, um, and I also saw a behind the scenes shot that they—I I guess they tested some other songs because there was uh, some uh, some behind the scenes of him playing um, Bohemian Rhapsody as well. But I don't think that would have worked as well here as uh, right. Home Home did, especially with the vibe. Because I mean, that's you know hair metal, obviously, and Queen is not right. Um, and um, but yeah, he, he apparently learned to play the piano. He just decided to learn to play the piano in 2018 or so. Oh and, shit. Wow, that is cool. That was so well done. And it's like not something that you would expect from this kind of show. It, with these kind of shows, it always feels like everything is so influenced by pleasing the fans, giving the fans exactly what they want. Let's throw in this cameo. Let's throw in this reference. Let's have this kind of action sequence. And I don't think any fan is sitting there saying, I want to see a sequence where John Cena is playing the piano. But yet, like, James Gunn does something like that. Yeah. And I feel like that elevates the whole show. Yeah, he's giving you something that you don't know you want, but you want. <laughs> exactly. Very well put. Yes, yes, yes. 
So um, Vigilante, you know, last time we talked, you said that Vigilante maybe wasn't bringing his A game in the last episode or like maybe his lines weren't written as well. Uh, did you feel like he was back to his A game on this one? Um, uh, maybe, a B, maybe a B plus game. <laughs> uh, I, I enjoyed the the the, uh, the 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 teal color questioning sequence and uh, like how much the follow two rules like, like I found all that pretty good but like nothing his best scene by far was the prison scene you know like, yeah yeah nothing's yeah. gonna top that I don't think right um that was probably the funniest part of the episode where they're both just sitting there asking golf questions and it's like tapping on the glass yeah and they're just referencing like you know. Close Encounters and Alien and E.T. I, I love that. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think. There, there was one other joke that I thought was really funny. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Vigilante says, he's like, do you notice that like you only have friends with creatures that can't talk back to you? Yes. Right? And then, and then, and then, he's he's, like, and then, and then he yells at him for interrupting him. <laughs> right, right. He's like, let me can just talk. Can I talk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> um. I'm just trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to. Oh, you know, it's funny because we, we mentioned Mayor McCheese in our Boba Fett discussion. And here they, they reference uh, Hamburglar, right? Oh, uh, yeah. No, wait. Is it a ham? Yeah, Hamburglar. Yes. With that, that Detective Locke is trying to give a description of the perpetrator. He, like, I think you just described the Hamburglar. <laughs> right, right, right. That creepy guy that was working with Mern who just like killed those cops in cold blood you know yeah i, I remember I, you know, that actor, i actually okay no, uh, i remember that actor he was um in a couple of episodes of supernatural where he played like a demon that would torture people and he's just got a very recognizable oh, face yeah i think i remember him from that yeah yeah um i was gonna say that i i was very surprised that he wasn't a butterfly yes and, i agree um and i, I i'm, I'm kind of curious as to what the relationship he had or, or why he's so indebted to pre-Butterfly Mern that, that he would be able to go to do all these things. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm not sure we're going to get any of that information or, or not. Yeah, I, I doubt we will. I mean, there's so much that has to happen with the next two episodes. And I feel like we're going to have some kind of weird confrontation where the cops that are butterflies are going to come after Peacemaker simultaneously as his father's going to come after him. And I think there might be some like crossfire. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Um, but they were saying that there is a potential for a Peacemaker season two, right? Yes. Uh, but it, it might be a while though, because, you know, James Gunn has a, a full plate. Um, and I've read some comments recently from, from the cast and from Gunn himself saying that, you know, he recommends watching the next two episodes as early as you possibly can to avoid spoilers. Yeah. And then uh, the actor who plays uh, Mern, um, Chikuti, uh, oh, man, I can't pronounce it. Um, I tried. I really yeah. wanted to try, and I couldn't I couldn't, couldn't do it. Good right. plane. Uh, he said that he, he thinks that the, there is a very big uh, emotional ending, and I think it's going to – he thinks it's going to send p fans – racing to the internet to find out if there's a season two or not or uh, about it. so i i'm i'm reading into that is that they absolutely could go go there and there will be a major cliffhanger okay okay yeah that's interesting you know that brings up a point that i wanted to say one, one of the writers that i really love his name is c robert cargill and he made this one point where he said that if shows and i think he was referencing boba fett are going to be on these streaming services and they're going to drop once a week like old-fashioned tv shows 
they should release them at like 9 p.m., like prime time when they come out versus like two in the morning. Because then by the time you go online in the morning, things are already spoiled, right? Yeah, it's very true. Um, I mean, on one hand, I like being able to consume it as early as I can. Right, right. Uh, and, you know, having to... I really, first of all, I really, really appreciate the weekly cadence of, of releasing this. Yes. I, I like discussing. I like thinking about it. I like it being forced to wait. Yeah. Um, and, and kind of digest everything that happened rather right. than just, you know, vomiting all of it at once, you know, and just, and, and having it all blur together, but you don't even remember anything. Right. Um, but I, I, same time, I appreciate the convenience of being able to watch it on the day whenever I can. And not being beholden to a certain exact time, right? Um, I, I mean, I, I guess there's uh, you know DVRs exist. I, I don't know. Do people even use DVRs anymore? I use that all the time, man. Really? I, I haven't had cable in probably, oh god, like six, seven years. Yeah. So like, like it, it, it feels like ancient technology that's it's obsolete now, based on the fact that you can stream everything. You know? Yeah, well, I'm I'm the wise guy that's spending 117 bucks a month DVR and that shit. Got a DVR yeah, I mean, Bachelor. <laughs> you know, can't just watch it on fucking Hulu the next night or anything. You got to watch it, you know, that night, man. Very, very true. Yeah, um, yeah. But at the same time, though, we're at a point where it's like, oh, you got you to have Netflix for this show, and you got to have Disney for this show, and you got to right. have HBO for this show, and you got to have Hulu for this show. Right. Like, right. I always try to have the mentality, like, oh, I'm always going to have Netflix and I have one other. Right. And I, I'm just failing miserably because – you know, I mean, before we decided we were going to watch Peacemaker, I wasn't. I'm like, ah, maybe I'll get rid of, I'll get rid of HBO because the, you know, the the day and date movie thing is over, and and like I actually thought I was I was going to get rid of it and, and just give up on not watch it. So yeah. I wasn't that crazy about the Suicide Squad. I liked it. It was yeah. good, but maybe it was a little underwhelming. Yeah. But I'm I'm so glad that I didn't because the show is amazing. Shit, yeah, yeah, dude. I would say that for me probably my main streaming service that I watch is HBO Max. It's, it goes between Netflix and HBO Max, but I feel like I watch like Netflix, HBO Max, and Disney Plus, like constantly. You know? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I also have Amazon, which I guess is part of my Amazon Prime. Is, uh, I don't really consider that as, as paying for it, even though I am. Right. Um, but, but yeah, it, I'm using HBO a lot more lately, because I'm watching, I'm watching this... Um, I'm watch, uh, I am in the middle of Raised by Wolves, all the, the first season still. Nice. Um, and we've watched something else on there too. I mean, I, I really do like the other DC shows, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I have, I have, I still have a lot more to catch up on them. Yeah. And, and you and I, just a little spoiler for people, we're going to start reviewing Doom Patrol uh, by the time it's Peacemaker's over. We're going to do season three and figure we're going to do about two episodes each between Peacemaker and uh, Moon Knight. So, uh, you know, maybe we could kind of do a little catch up on the first two seasons before then, if need be. Um, but yeah, I haven't even watched season two, but I guess I do love that Doom Patrol show just in the first season. Yeah. But I was going to ask job. you, do you think that one of the reasons why you like Peacemaker is because of that guy right there on the wall behind you? I'm, I'm, not, trying to freak, I'm not trying to freak you out, but like, I don't know why. Oh my God, the colors. Exactly. Like shit. Because yeah, I'm not wearing my I'm... glasses. We keep talking about Peacemaker. It's like, is that Peacemaker behind you? Yeah, it's a really messed up Optimus Prime. Right, right. 
But I'm saying he, he looks like fucking Optimus, right? He's got the red he does, shirt. Yeah, the red shirt. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, he doesn't have the – what color are his boots? It, aren't his boots blue? His boots are blue. Oh, my God. Right. Holy the only shit, difference is that is, is he's got that green, that silver so, fucking thing. Silver helmet rather than the, the blue head. But, yeah. Yeah. I Fuck. don't know. Uh, was there anything else that you had to say about Peacemaker? Um, no, I don't think so. Okay. Well, it's been a pleasure as always. I hope that you are able to get through Raised by Wolves kind of quickly because then maybe you could join me and Danny for our coverage of it. I'm trying. Uh, I'm I'm in the middle of episode five. I'm watching okay. like too many too many damn shows in, in, in at the same time. Yeah. Have you watched that Arcane show yet? Yeah, Arcane. I finished. It was great. Ah, oh, fuck. That's another one I want to watch too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I got I got Raised by Wolves and Doom Patrol and Peacemaker. I think that's it as far as like shows that I'm watching. Like, after that, with Moon Knight, and then uh, they also actually we should have mentioned too that they announced the date for um, uh, Obi Wan. Yeah. Right. Oh, is it Kenobi or is it Obi Wan? Obi, it's Obi Wan Kenobi. <laughs> oh, okay. well, there you go. It's both. <laughs> it's both together. Yes. Uh, yeah, and that'll be May 25th. Okay. Okay. Oh, look at this! I got a little comment right here at the very end. Here, good old Mike Bongiorno, host of Pop Culture Man Children. Check out his podcast, kids. This guy has got good taste. Arcane oh, rules. Optimus Prime in that little little uh, thumbnail there. He does have Optimus there. Here's a little <laughs> side story, kids. Before uh, me and Brian say goodnight, I think I've probably even told us on this fucking show before. But me and Mike Bongiorno were part of a magazine when I was in college called Serpentine, and um, what do you call it? Mike and I put the magazine together with some other people. And we had a little thing where you had to guess all these He-Man action figures in this cool picture that my friend put together. And Brian was the winner of the contest, and he guessed all the fucking He-Man people. Remember that? Oh, shit, yeah. What did I, what was, what did I win? I, probably something really lame. I don't even know if you won anything. Like, they okay. showed your picture, and they gave a little bio of you in the next issue. Oh, awesome. Okay. Yeah. I have to see if I have that anywhere. Right, right. I, I actually do have it in my garage, so maybe next episode. Well, take I'll a picture show. of me because I mean, I have so many boxes still, even though I've lived here for over a year. Yes, you know, and, and you know, I, I don't give a shit. We're just gonna divulge personal stuff in here too. Not too personal, don't worry. No one's bank account or anything. But Brian and I used to be in a black metal band, and here's a little funny story right before we wrap this up. We're in a black metal band called Blasphemous Machine, and I played the bass, and Brian played the lead guitar, and uh, we did one concert. In, in Brian's backyard, and there was like 80 fucking people there, right? So, yeah. So the other day, Brian, I'm at my mom's apartment, and she's got all of her stuff moved from Staten Island to Texas, and she takes out these VHS tapes that she found. And right there is Peter's concert, Brian's backyard. And I'm like, oh, shit, I'm going to watch this. Look, it's my life. It's my early 20s. This is a great memory. And then my mom fucking taped Broadchurch over it. Oh! <laughs> I was so excited for a second because I, I, only, I have pictures – um, I don't have audio of that. I have audio from like us playing the songs, but nothing. Right. I just have pictures from that. Nothing else. Yes. Yeah. All right. I have pictures too. The, the sad part is there's like 15 seconds of imagery, and you can hear people's voices and stuff, and then it just cuts to broad church. Oh. And I fast forwarded, and then later there's just pushing daisies is just on there, and I'm like, <laughs> oh Christ, just taped over like one of the best memories of my life. That's cool. Oh man. Thanks, mom. Um, maybe a butterfly will fly into her head. But anyway, I don't know what the fuck. We're off the script right now. <laughs> anyway, on that note, the show before we ruin anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good call. We're gonna end the broadcast. 
Anyway, guys, uh, it's great to have you with us. Brian and I will be here next week to talk about Peacemaker Episode 7. See y'all.